personalizing that experience. And so we were trained from the very beginning of how to do that. So if we went into your room and you happen to have golf magazines that you brought, we made sure those golf magazines were in your room the next time you were there. And if we knew you liked a certain food and you made a big deal about it with the server, we put that in your profile. So every time you came, we reviewed every single person checking in that day all the notes that that person had in their profile and then tried to wow them because we knew that we could. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs, boutique hotels, and hospitality brands, and the hosts, operators, and entrepreneurs who have brought them to life. Every Tuesday and Friday, you'll meet the military veterans, the retired flight attendants, tech entrepreneurs, the school teachers, the single moms, and the real estate investors who are all, in their own unique ways, shaping the future of travel and hospitality. Discover how these visionaries from all over the world have built chic cabins in the mountains, designed bohemian bungalows on the beach, erected eclectic off-grid and nature-immersed escapes, and so much more. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Spontaneous, the internet's best destination for last-minute Airbnb deals. You can subscribe for free at Spontaneous.com. And I'm your host, Zach Cruz, co-founder and CEO of Spontaneous. All right, friends, enjoy the show. In just a moment, you'll meet Steve Turk, a decorated professional who has spent over two decades working in luxury hospitality. Steve's father was a successful attorney. From time to time, his dad would bring him along on work travel, and Steve remembers being in total awe at the hotels that he and his dad would stay in. There was something so magical about walking into an ornately decorated hotel lobby and being greeted as if you were some kind of royalty that left a significant impression on Steve. As Steve began thinking about what he wanted to do with his life during his later high school years, he assumed he'd just become a lawyer like his dad was. But there was an idea that Steve just couldn't shake. This, this nagging that pulled at his heart. And, and that nagging was a desire to work in hospitality. Tune in to hear the remarkable story of how Steve worked his way up to executive roles at Lowe's, Nobu, Mandarin Oriental, and other luxury hotel brands, why he wound up leaving these coveted roles to become a hospitality entrepreneur, and why he's now building a luxury micro-resort focused on sustainability and agritourism in South Florida. All right, friends, without further ado, get ready to meet Steve. All right, folks, we are live here with Steve Turk. Steve, welcome to the pod. Well, Zach, I appreciate you having me. I've been watching what you're doing. I love it, and I'm excited to be a part of it now. Well, thank you, and and likewise, I um, have been really impressed by the content that you've been putting out. And then recently you've had a couple of my favorite people on, on your podcast. And so I was like, you know what, it's time, it's time to get Steve on, uh, behind the stage. So thanks for, uh, thanks for taking the time. There's so much I want to talk to you about, but I actually thought it would be fun to just hear a little bit about, uh, why you first fell in love with, with this industry. You've done so many different things and we're going to unpack some of that today, but then also talk a little bit about what you're currently working on. Uh, but I'd love to just hear like, how how did it all begin? Like, take us back to the beginning. Yeah, well, listen, I love this industry, and I think it it started very early. So I was lucky enough where my father is an employment attorney, and he was representing one of his first big clients was the Fontainebleau Hotel here in Miami okay. Beach. So as a little kid, he would have to go do these meetings and bring us along, and I loved it, every minute of it. And his best friend, it turned out, was the hotel manager. So we got to stay in the Frank Sinatra suite wow. and the Elvis suite and see all these awesome things as a little kid where I could order anything off the TV <laughs> and it was free because I didn't have to pay for it. And the mini bar, I could eat anything I wanted. And then we could go back at the house and go into the, see the chefs who were making cookies for us. So to me, it was like this magical world that always stuck with me. And then in high school, I worked in hotels at the Lowe's Miami Beach Hotel and it just kind of continued from there. I went to school for hospitality and realized this is what I want to do Forever. Do you remember? And so it's just been in my blood yeah, forever. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you remember as, especially like it's one thing as a little kid to be like, whoa, this is magical yep. and I can order whatever I want. And, you know, my dad will let me like grab whatever cookies I want from the mini bar or whatever. It's it's another thing though to, as you grow up to be like, all right, there's, there's you know, you could have gone into law like your dad did. Like there's so many opportunities. Yep. Do you remember what about the, the business of hospitality was, was like most intriguing to you? 
Yeah. And so you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. So I was at Florida State University studying, about to go take my LSAT. Oh, wow. I was studying for the LSAT. And I was like, I hate this. And my dad pulled me aside. He's like, look, you got the rest of your life to work and I just want you to be happy. So if you're going to go do something, just be the best at it. And you really like being in hotels. And so it was true. I liked the feeling. I like my first real job in the hotel was 18 years old, working as a pool attendant, cabana mm. boy at the Lowe's Miami Beach Hotel. And I thought it was the best job ever. I get to be outdoors all day, see these beautiful people and celebrities coming through. And it's, there's some kind of addiction to it because it's, it's this adrenaline rush that you get. And people who work in hospitality get it. Like that big rush of seeing so many people come through and creating these memories for those visitors that they're going to remember forever. Yeah. Those are the things that really struck me. Like I can make an impact on somebody by just making sure they're having a great time and they take that photo that sits on their mantle for the rest of their yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so so beautifully said. And, you know, it, it is funny. You're, you're hitting on something that I feel like is 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 harder and harder to find these days, which is which is these like magical moments where you really do mm-hmm. feel like as as a guest, right, at, at one of these hotels, it, it's one of the few places like you can actually feel like you are important, right, or or like you matter, yeah. right? Like in what other context, mm-hmm. like, are is there somebody that's going to bring you a drink by the pool or fold a towel for you or whatever it is, like, or, or yeah. greet you in the hallway? It, it, it gives like the average Joe Schmo, like me, the opportunity to feel important, e- even even if it's for like a matter of minutes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I love about, especially in really good hotels that I was lucky enough to work in. As I got moved up, one of my go-to things was I'm going to find at least one person a day to wow somehow. Mm-hmm. And so, Zach, if I saw you and you happened to be really kind to my servers or just had a good interaction with me, and you're not a VIP. You weren't marked that way. I say, you know what? I got an open cabana for you. It's a thousand bucks a day, but I'm going to hook you up, Zach. You and your family get to go hang out in there anyway today because you were so awesome to everybody. Wow. And those people would remember those things yeah. forever, right? <laughs> and it was just like, wow, I remember that. I remember someone sent me a wedding gift from doing that to them a year prior. So it's just like little things that people will remember that you can make an impact working in that kind of space. So you, you've you worked in uh, a number of different contexts for for some of like the world's leading hotel brands. Did you have, yeah. did you have like a favorite like posting? Like, like when you reflect back on your career to date, like what job uh, brought you like the most, the most joy? Wow. Well, I laugh because my favorite job was probably the lowest paying. And that's when I was working at the pool and beach as a supervisor okay. because- <laughs> You know, I didn't have a family or kids. I had a low rent. I could cover everything. I'm working outdoors and doing great things for people every day and getting to go home and have dinner at a normal time <laughs> and get in at a normal time. But there was a lot of great places I worked and I learned so much from so many of these brands. And for for listeners or watchers, you can go check me out on LinkedIn and see the places I worked prior. But I got great advice. And I think this is the advice I'd like to share with people listening was from that hotel manager at the Fontainebleau. His name's Paul Breslin. Mm. He said, Steve, when you're starting out, Stick with top brands. Get into these top hotel brands because once you're in, you're mm-hmm. in. If you start at a different level, it's really hard to get in and you don't learn and get trained as well as you can. So I took that to heart and really stayed in that four-star, five-star level hotel. And it's done tremendous things for me. That's how I get to live the life I live now. Do you do you find that at, at that level, at that like four and, and, and five-star sort of level, uh, when you think about sort of uh, climbing the the ladder, there is it is it pretty difficult? Like like are, do people hold on to these jobs? Again, most of the people tuning into this pod, right? Yeah. They're newer to the hospitality space and or they're building short term rental uh, portfolios. Some of them have aspirations to build their own boutique hotels. Some of them are in the process of yeah. building their hotels right now. And it's funny seeing sort of like this uh, this moment where folks who figured out how to build really incredible experiential stays in the short term rental category are now are now interested in like, you know, moving over into the hotel space. And, and so it's funny seeing yeah. how these worlds will continue to, to evolve and, 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 and mesh together. But w- when you think about sort of like climbing into positions of leadership, is it, are these senior positions very, very coveted and, and hard to come by, or is it easier to yeah. climb the ladder than some folks might think? Look, it's, it's definitely a challenge. It's like that it's a pyramid, yeah. right? And at the top, are the highest paying jobs with uh, some of the greatest perks, but also the most pressure. And that's what I don't think people understand mm. because 
you know, back in the, the 50s, 60s and 70s, that GM was the king of the castle, could do what they wanted. But now with all technology and reporting and tools, owners really have a big say in how they want things to mm. go. And, you know, as executives, you have to deliver on those goals. Yeah. But I would say that, and I talk to a lot of people who are getting into the industry now, especially into short-term rental, which I own a company that does that as well, is they didn't realize, oh my God, these guests are asking for stuff all the time. <laughs> they need things all the time. And that's part of the hotel training that I think everyone should have, or at least some kind of service industry training. But those top jobs are the most coveted. Yeah. And like an example, like I was an executive for multiple hotels, yeah. my last one being 800 room hotel. And so when people come to me like, oh, I'm so stressed out, I got 30 units and it's crazy. And I've got, you know, housekeepers, like three or four of them that are driving me crazy. Like, like I hear you, yeah. <laughs> but it's all comes down to systems and standards and training. Yeah. And this is how I was able to manage a team of 500 with an 800 room property doing millions and millions and millions of dollars. Like you can do it. And it just comes down to the standards and training that you yourself have and you can implement onto your team. And if you don't know it, hire people that yeah, do. Yeah, you, uh, you've built like this really cool brand for yourself uh, recently uh, around being sort of the, the hospitality like mentor, right? And you've got this podcast now, you've got a newsletter and I wanna, I wanna talk about that in a second. But what I'm curious, mm -hmm. uh, before we dive into that, like who have been some of the people in the industry that you've looked up to the most? Or like who are, who are some folks that if you know, you have a spare moment, you're checking out their social feed or you're reading a book that they wrote Ooh, or like who, who are your inspirations? Like who are, who are your mentors? Yeah. Like, I mean, the first, a great hospitality book is uh, setting the table by Danny Mayer. If you haven't seen that one yet or read it, I recommend anyone in any hospitality field, read that one just because it talks about how someone who just has a passion for hospitality, turned that into a great business. And if you don't know him, he, He's known now for Shake Shack. Yeah. He had so many great award-winning restaurants in New York, and he talks about how he built those. Um, but people that really impacted what I do, one I mentioned already was Paul Breslin, who kind of guided me along from the, the early stages. And then second is a guy I worked with for many years. His name is Mutlu Kachuk. He's now the regional director of Lowe's Hotels, overseeing the two biggest in Coral Gables and Miami Beach. And he and I worked together and had a lot of internal battles with each other, too. <laughs> uh but he's now just a, a great leader and someone I look up to and what he's doing all the time. But, you know, I was lucky enough to work at Nobu Hotels and Chef Nobu is just the, that yeah. brand. And what they do is an awesome person and he treats everyone with respect. He calls it Kokoro. It's from the heart. Mm. Like he takes care of people. Like he walks in, shakes everybody's hands, remembers your name. So those are the kind of people that I really look to as people who treat their team with respect and not just as the help, right? Like they want people to move up with yeah. them. Hey guys, so I was scrolling on Instagram the other day, as I often do, and I was looking at some of my favorite Airbnb accounts, and I stumbled upon something that was truly incredible that I just have to tell you all about. It's called Bookly. Think of Bookly as a link tree designed exclusively for Airbnb hosts and STR property managers. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're a hospitality entrepreneur that cares about building your brand. One of the best ways to do that, as you all know, is Instagram, which is why so many of you invest a lot of time in building a beautiful highly curated Instagram following. But knowing where to direct your Instagram followers is always a little bit of a challenge, right? People ask me all the time, Zach, should I send people to my direct booking site? Should I send them to my listing on, on Airbnb? Because you've got incredible reviews there. The list, if you direct them to your direct booking site, right? The Your direct booking uh, site might be a little bit clunky, especially on mobile. But if the guest books there, then you save money and they save money and it's a win-win. Or maybe you're trying to test out new OTAs like Verbo and Booking.com. Well, what's amazing about Bookly is that you don't have to decide. Bookly allows you to create a stunning link and bio page that showcases everything about your property across all platforms. Bookly pulls in and aggregates your reviews across Airbnb, Verbo, and other OTAs, and then invites guests to book via your direct booking site or their preferred OTA. One of the biggest obstacles guests have about booking directly is the trust factor, right? So reviews featured on OTAs like Airbnb, they give people a level of confidence confidence that the highly curated testimonials that you have on your own website just don't. Well, what's amazing about Bookly is guests can read the reviews that folks leave of your home on Airbnb, Verbo, etc. And then once their fears have been eased, they can save money by booking directly with you via the button below. 
Bookly is so easy to use and customize. Their drag and drop editor makes it easy for you to add custom photos, create new buttons, to direct your followers to special offers, and to add and, and quickly remove photos as the seasons change. And you can do all of this in seconds. So if you're a hospitality entrepreneur serious about growing your brand on Instagram, Bookly is a must try. They're incredibly affordable too, with plans just starting at $9 a month. So I want you to all take five minutes and, and, and go learn a little bit more about Bookly. You can visit their website at bookl, that's B-O-O-K-L dot E-E, or just Google Bookly, or just click the link in the show notes below. And if you are a behind the stays listener, which hopefully you all identify as if you are listening to this podcast, you can save 20% off your first year when you reference behind the stays at checkout, okay? So check out Bookly. It's incredible, super amazing widget. And if you do talk to the team there, tell them that Zach from Behind the Stays sent you their way. When you think about this caliber, right, of, of product, right? So you worked at Nobu, you worked at uh, Trump Hotels for a while, you obviously worked at, at Lowe's. H how are these folks, how are how are like the top dogs competing, right? Like, like you know, when you have a luxury mm -hmm. offering, from, from your vantage point, from like the insider, right? Like what are, what are yeah. areas where you think that one particular brand has an edge on the other, or, or at least is trying to have an edge on, on the other? Because I imagine for most of these folks, right? Once you get to a certain level, your, your customer base is, 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 is pretty, is pretty similar, right? Like only so many yes. people are going to pay that per room per night. So from your right. vantage point, like how do these brands compete? So one of my favorite brands I worked for is Mandarin Oriental Hotels. Mm. And there's not too many in the U.S., but the, there's one know, in D.C. The actually. Globe, um, yeah. Right by yeah. me. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Mandarin Oriental was probably the best training I ever had. And the way they trained us was we came into an orientation and you filled out some things. They asked you like your favorite food, favorite activity, that side of work. And it was just part of like your person, your profile. Yeah. The next day at that training, I came in and they had purchased, I was doing triathlons at the time. They had purchased me triathlon stuff, <laughs> like a belt and a training thing and that. And they said, look, we didn't tell you we were going to get you anything. We just asked you about your traits that you liked. And we got that for you and surprised <sighs> you. Didn't cost as much. And they did that for everyone in the room. Wow. And I remember that impact thinking like, that's the difference is you're learn listening to your guests. What do they like? And then you're t offering that to them, personalizing that experience. And so we were trained from the very beginning of how to do that. So if we went into your room and you happen to have golf magazines that you brought, we made sure those golf magazines were in your room the next time you were mm. there. And if we knew you liked a certain food and you made a big deal about it with the server, we put that in your profile. So every time you came, we reviewed every single person checking in that day, all the notes that that person had in their profile, and then tried to wow, wow. them because we knew that we could. Wow. And so not every hotel can do that because it takes a lot of time yeah. and training and effort, but every hotel can listen to their guests and everyone can go above and beyond. And so that's the differentiator of those top tier from the rest. Yeah. And so all those top brands that you see winning, like the peninsulas and Mandarin Orientals and, um, you know, four seasons does it a great yeah. job. Everyone is trained to do that. And so when you come from that background, you really start looking for those things Yeah. and every job you do. And so I love doing that because anyone can do it with whatever company you work in is just taking care of your customer that way. While, while we're on this, uh, this, uh, train of thought here, given that you've had experience working at, working at these levels, how, how do these folks think about, uh, short-term rentals and sort of experiential stays and, and, and as they've become, as they become more and more professionalized, right? Like as, as a mm -hmm. travel and hospitality asset class, what are, what are those conversations like? Like, is, is it still just like, oh yeah, that's that thing going on that is, you know, uh, mm -hmm. in, in the dark corner and who really cares? Do, is there, is there like a felt competition? Like, like what from your vantage point is like the, the state of yeah. things? So it's changing at the beginning. It was more like an annoyance, mm. like almost how you would like swat away a bug. <laughs> it was like, what are these guys doing? They're not letting me charge as much as I need to for my room because they're taking away some of the compression in the market mm. because now there's more places to stay. Uh, but it has evolved and I love seeing it evolve because I said back in 2016 that I thought hotels would get into this space because I would love to stay at a Nobu branded vacation yeah. rental home or short-term rental, right? I would love to stay at a Ritz-Carlton or Four Seasons residence, which now is happening. Yeah. 
a lot more. And now you got St. Regis creating residences that have the option to be short-term rentals. So hotels know the game. They see what people like and they're changing. And you see some of these hotel brands changing their offerings to more long-term stays, right? You see Hilton has their product now, Marriott, which is more like bargain kind, but I like the elevated, like it actually matches the brand of these homes. Like Nobu created a hotel in Malibu, Mm. which is 12 rooms only, invite only to get in. Right. But it's basically upscale luxury vacation rental coined as a hotel. So they are in it and people may not think that they're going to be in it, but they know that people want this. Certain brands are going to go after it. And the ones that haven't done it yet, you know, they have a different model. They're more big convention center hotels. Like they depend on groups to drive that business. But I still think that there's a lot more of this traditional hotel going to get into this vacation rental short-term world. Yeah. A lot of the people that listen to this podcast are, are building these uh, truly exceptional, like experiential uh, hospitality brands, yep. uh, landscape hotels, right? Uh, uh, buying a huge amounts of acreage and developing maybe 20 to, to 30 very bespoke, very curated uh, uh, stays. And, you know, what these folks talk about, uh, you know, at least behind the scenes, <laughs> sometimes yeah. publicly on this podcast, they talk a lot about like, you know, potential exit strategies. And, and for, for some of them, right, they're, they're hoping that these hotels come in, see their product, appreciate what they've built and, and just acquire it, at, at least at some point. Do you think that mm-hmm. that's a, a viable strategy? Like, do you think these folks would, these hotel brands will just go and build their own? Or do you think that there's a world in which they actually do go and acquire existing assets that have been already built. I think that it's already happening, mm. right? Like I, I look at Amman hotels, mm. right? Amangiri, they're building tented camps yeah. out here in the United States already. And in speaking with them, it's Steve, I build this tent, ultra luxury, half the price of building an actual room. <laughs> And I'm getting double the rate. (laughs) So, you know, the math maths here, like we're going to do more of this. And I've talked to other leaders that are looking for opportunities to buy these places. So yes, for the ones that are building it, if you can build something truly special, there'll be a market for it. As long as people want to continue reconnecting with the outdoors, being by national parks, um, having those unique experiences because millennials and generation Z, that's the report came out. They don't want stuff. They want experiences. Yeah, But what I'm worried about, I'm starting to see a lot of them look the same, Mm, mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Yes, they're building it bespoke, but they're starting to look very similar with limited service. I think the places that will do really well are the places that are still unique, have a good story so people can feel like, oh, there's a story behind this place, not just that it's cool and pictures and that there's some service there because I've seen some that have crashed and burned that grew really fast and, Oh, you're on your own and there's no cell phone service and there's no Wi-Fi, and I'm not going to give you anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which I just think is the wrong way to go. And I understand for some of the listeners out there, like that's the vacation rental model. Like they check in, I let them do their thing. If they have an emergency, I have a team that helps them, but I don't offer them really service. It's the ones that will be acquired are those ones that can show that they have great product, great story, great service. You have to have those three yeah. to really do well. So, but it takes money to do yeah. it. That's the, that's the challenge. Well, and, and I'm so glad you, you brought this up because, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough uh, to, through this podcast, meet a lot of incredible people who are these entrepreneurs that are building these like just remarkable places. And, and, and some of them you go to, and again, the actual, the unit is like stunning and like, it's everything about it is, is, is awesome. But you're like an hour from like a restaurant, right? Like, and, and so right. it, it's, it's great and it's cool and it's very Insta worthy. Um, mm-hmm. but then you get hungry, right? <laughs> and you're like, and you think, okay, it's, it's an hour to the nearest, like, restaurant and the restaurant is you know a a c-grade sort of like offering right and again super happy to have had that experience for a night a couple nights whatever it is when i think about would i go back i probably wouldn't i'd probably see if there's another unique experience i could get that also had access to you know the outside world amenities that that i do need after a day of just being Mm -hmm. in in nature right um and, and, and so I'm glad you brought that up because I, I do think it's something that folks, that entrepreneurs have to solve for. Like we, we have to get really creative and, and, and think critically. And there are some, I was talking to somebody earlier today, actually, who 
you know, they are, they're fortunate enough to partner with a Michelin star uh, chef who's doing these like, you know, you can book an experience with him and he'll come to their their location and their property. And, you know, if he, I think he makes everything over like an open fire is like his shtick. And, and like yep. that, that kind of an experience, right, offered offered at scale is is something that I think that the next generation of travelers are looking for. Right. Um, so if you, if you yes. don't have the restaurant, you you have to do something like that. Otherwise, people will go for a day or two, but getting them to come mm-hmm. back might be harder than folks think. Yeah, and I think you kind of nailed something here is where you might have that Michelin star restaurant chef, but how many times is it actually going to get used? Yeah. It's great for branding yeah. and great for marketing, mm-hmm. but to get that chef out of bed, it's not going to be anything less than getting 2500 bucks for that dinner. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so how do you create something? If that's the price point you have and the ADR at your place is that high, like an I'm on. Hey, you're in good shape. Yeah. But if you're charging 350, 400 bucks a night and it's really made for couples yeah. and maybe some kids, like it's going to be a challenge to get that guy there. I wish that company the best, but that's where you got to think of like, how do I can create like something consistent, whether it's something pre-made that they can take to the room? Are they going to be able to cook? Because someone like me, I'm a city boy, <laughs> right? And so yeah. I like that idea, yeah. but I know that once I get out there and all of a sudden I'm out here. Yeah. Like, what am I going to do out here? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, this is a lot harder than I thought. Like, I got one bar of cell service and I actually wanted to scroll through Instagram and TikTok yeah. and LinkedIn and I can't get on any of them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. Well, you have this awesome media uh, brand that you're building around around the Hospitality Mentor. And um, you, have, uh, you have a newsletter and I was actually reading through it this morning and you were talking in, in your latest edition uh, about the rise of like spirit spiritual tourism and this being like a category mm-hmm. of travel that uh that folks are are finding affinity with can you can you just like talk and pontificate yeah. about this a little bit and 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 what what do you think is going on here is this a generational thing just why do you think that this is on the rise well for our listeners make sure you sign up for the newsletter at the hospitalitymentor.com and we talk about all things trending and this is one of the trends that's happening it is really the last two i did are the spiritual travel is not religious. So I don't want to people like, oh, they're traveling for religion yeah. where some people yeah. do, right? You see like the big religious places around the world, people travel to, to um, have that um, experience. Yeah. But this is more of, I really want to be reconnected with something greater than me. Mm. And they're going to places like Arizona that has like Sedona, which is just known for these, you know, wellness and healing yeah. experiences and being following what native Americans were doing hundreds of years ago to try and reconnect with something. They're feeling like there's something's missing. Mm. And I think it's because people are, look, I use my phone all the yeah. time. I see my screen usage. You know, <laughs> people aren't connecting with people all the time in the real world. They're doing more of this and they want to find what's, what's the meaning out yeah. there. So they're looking for places around the world that they can go to a hotel and those hotels are doing it. So like in London, they are doing tarot card readings with a top tarot card reader from their city. Wow. And is it a little bit of marketing? Sure. But people are traveling there to have that fun, unique experience. So it doesn't have to be something just in nature. It can be something like that. Yeah. And then you see spas that are really doing this more and more to where they're getting into meditation and not just strictly wellness, but like how to make your mind stronger, how to do those things. So I see it happening more and more. Um, there's a company called Alchemy Wellness. It's based out of here in Miami. They started the Carolyn Wellness Resort. Okay. And now they're getting calls because they were getting so many calls from different hotels of how are you doing this? They created a company to install these things at different spas around the world. Wow. So it's going to continue to grow. And for listeners out there, maybe you leave it in the comments afterwards. But if you're looking for something like that, there's a lot of places that are starting to pop up. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and I mean, that totally aligns, I think, with what uh, a lot of these listeners and, and, and fellow entrepreneurs have, have, have noticed, which I think is why they're building nature immersed sort of stays and, and experiences, yeah. right. Is, 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 is certainly aligned with, with this trend. I want to, I want to ask you a question around like the modern traveler, like from, from your, your perspective and, and your friends and colleagues in the industry are, are travelers like millennials and Gen Z, you know, today, obviously millennials have, you know, they're, uh, they have more disposable income than, the, than they did even like a decade ago. Yep. Um, you know, I think about my own sort of behavior and how my wife and I like to travel. And we certainly fall into that like contingency of folks who are willing to pay a premium for a unique kind of experience. 
what do you think is different about millennials and then and then ultimately like Gen Z with respect to how they travel? Is it that different? Like, are, are, do people really think it's that different or is that just something buzzy and like trendy to, to say? Yeah, I think, look, the there's different generations that want different things. I think in previous generations, they wanted to go to a place that was consistent and they knew it was safe and they knew they were going to have good service, yeah. right? That's why all of these brands popped up in the 60s, 70s and 80s because there wasn't anything consistent, right? And Hilton and Marriott really started coming in and standardizing everything, but then everything started to look the yeah, same, yeah, right? And so that's when W Hotels really popped up and that team with Starwoods, like we don't have standards. Every place is going to look completely different. And they blew up because that's what people started shifting to was this cool, buzzy, like I don't have to go to a club, yeah. the cool restaurants here yeah, and I've got that. And so I think now the brands that are starting to win are the brands that are creating these unique spaces that are embracing sustainability, are embracing wellness and doing well. I think a good example is One Hotels. One Hotels is starting to expand fast because again, came from the same team that made W mm. Hotels, right? So they sold Starwood. Now they're building this brand at One Hotels um, because they know what the modern traveler is looking for. Yeah. The things that are improving the community or they feel good about spending their money in a place like that. And so I think that's where, you know, to the listeners that are building these, you know, um, outdoor sites and these unique bespoke sites, it's what is the story that you're having? Is it just because it's cool and it looks good in Instagram yeah. or, or do you truly believe in reconnecting with nature and wellness and sustainability, right? Those are the things that people will vet you for. And if you're doing it well, they'll going to continue coming with you. But if you only do it so-so, you might be like Zach and I that just stop by once and we look for the next yeah. one. <laughs> Last minute cancellations suck. And that's why we built Ping. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. I'd love your insight into, into loyalty, right? Because um, loyalty is something that has been really, really hard to, to garner in, in like the short-term rental space. And people talk about it all the time. If you, if, you know, you, there's a zillion podcasts out there in, in, in the short-term rental space that talk a lot about like the value of repeat guests and why you want to promote direct bookings, why you want to rid yourself of the evil OTAs, right? I mean, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of content out there. Yes. Um, there's no shortage yeah. of it. And, and the and the underlying premise, right, is around building building loyalty and owning the customer. And obviously, like hotels have had, you know, hotels were around when Expedia launched, right, and and kayak and and, and booking and, and and whatnot. And the, the the effects of the OTAs were certainly felt there before they've been felt here. Mm -hmm. When you think about loyalty. Do you like? Do you think that there's a way to do it in in short term rentals? Is it kind of like a waste of people's time? Like, what are what are your thoughts there? I think, like you said, a lot of people talk about it, and this might rub people the wrong way, but I think there's a lot of people who got into the game and don't really understand hospitality, mm. right? Like you said, they come from tech, they come from real estate, they come from different sectors, and don't truly understand what it is to take care of that guest. Mm. But once they understand, they're able to convert those people, mm. right? So if you booked with me through Airbnb and I did my job of making sure I wowed you with a great welcome amenity, a welcome card, and said, hey, Zach, if you had a great stay here, make sure to book next time with us directly. You could use this link anytime you're in Miami. Yeah. You can contact us directly. 
I have a good feeling I will get you to come back again. Yeah. But some of the brands that are, hey, you checked in, I can't get a hold of anybody. There's an issue. There was nothing here. It just looks like a standard <laughs> apartment that was filled with IKEA furniture yeah. or Target because I saw that when I was walking through the shops. <laughs> That's where you're not going to get anybody to return back unless they're just looking for a cheap rate. Yeah. But there's plenty of cheap places on Airbnb and VRBO and booking. And now American Express has their vacation rentals and everyone Google's going to be putting vacation rentals out yeah. and Marriott Villas. Like there's so many channels to put your product now. But you, if you can wow them and they feel like they've connected with you because you did a great job, yeah. they're going to book with you again and they're going to want to. And not every property can do that. You know, like as we're building our vacation rental company, we have some properties I say are grandfathered in that I don't love that we're planning on shedding. Yeah. But the ones that we're adding on, we're getting repeat customers yeah. because it's a great value for what they're getting. They're in great locations. Yeah. They're getting the service they want. And they come back year after year because we know we're going to take care of them. Yeah. Do you think um, with respect to loyalty, because I, I think one of the hard things is, right, I've stayed in incredible places where hospitality was like off the charts, right? But I'm just awesome. I'm just like never going to go back to like that particular place in Washington State or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Uh, and mm -hmm. and that again, but I had a great experience, and and I I travel all the time, and I love I love staying in cool places and unique stays and blah blah blah, and and so what what I what I haven't figured out yet is like why hasn't there been why isn't there sort of like a network or you know or some or some sort of like affiliate program like you know the airlines have like their alliance programs like you got Star Alliance you've got One World right like. Do do you suspect we'll have something like that in short term rental vacation yeah. rentals? I, I see some soft brands popping up already. Yeah. Right. Um, like our friends over at Story, they're yeah. starting to do stuff with castles. Yeah. And I think they have something they're coming up with. And I think now they're doing Nook, yep. which is going to do more of this experiential travel. And so I think they're onto something for sure. Uh, because, like you said, you may go to that place in Washington State and it has no other place for you to go. Yeah. Like I, you would love to stay at it if you were going to Asheville, yeah. but it's, it's not, not there. there. Yeah. And so you got to find somewhere else to go. So, that is a challenge, but I think some of these soft brands that can get everyone together, like the hotel world's had it for a long time yeah. with leading hotels of the world, and now American Express Travel, where the Kens has everything there. Like, there's ways to do it. It's just that you have to buy in. Yeah. And a lot of these owners don't understand why they may have to give up a percentage of that nightly rent yeah. um, to do it. So it's going to take some great operators to convince them and good salespeople and then to deliver on that. Like you actually get loyalty points towards something. Yeah. Cause I'm, I love using my points. Like I'm a yeah. big credit card guy <laughs> and getting my points and using those things. And I'm very much uh, a fan of a certain brands of hotel. And if I can't stay at one of those, then, you know, I usually am bummed yeah. out because I am loyal to those brands. Yeah. So it's something will happen. Yeah. It has to, someone's going to create a good way to do it because more and more people are traveling that way. Yeah. When you, one last question on loyalty here. Um, mm -hmm. Marriott, obviously, right. With, with Bonvoy and whatnot, which, which isn't that old, right? Like they've done this really, really great job of being able to centralize like mm -hmm. membership across their, their uh, portfolio of brands. Do you know, just based off of being an in, in industry insider, um, are people like pretty loyal to specific Marriott brands in that, like, are the next generation of travelers really loyal to Autograph, right? Or, or, or you know, Sheraton or whatever, like, or, or, or is it really like, no, 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 I just, I'm just loyal to Bonvoy, if that makes sense. Like, 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 are, yeah. are, are there, is there, does loyalty exist at the brand level or is it really at the company level? I think it is at the entire company level mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. the, the people who are going to stay at a St. Regis or Ritz Carlton yeah. are going to stay there. Like those are super fans. Yep. Like I only stay at St. Regis. I only stay at Ritz Carlton. I only stay at Four Seasons. Yep. And you see some celebrities like this, like you'll be posting there at every Four Seasons. Yep. Like that's just where they stay yeah. because they get treated the best when they're there. Um, but for like the mid tier, yeah. right? Maybe people like you and I. If we have our Hyatt points or Hilton points or Marriott points, we're looking to stay at anything we can use our points yep. at that seems to be the best value for those points. Yeah, yeah. Right? And then the hotels don't really love those, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> on the flip side, they can't drive their high ADR. Yeah. Like they like say, hey, I need to book my – I have a client that's one of those brands. Okay. Okay? Yeah. We won't say which one. Yeah. And they use those bonus points as a way – 
to get the suites sold. Mm. They don't want to fill those lower rooms with points. Yeah. And so they'll try to cap those rooms to really push the higher ADR that they need to achieve to get their bonuses and to get their goals for the company yeah. and to make everybody happy. And so it's a big challenge because you have more and more people using points and you don't make as much money with people who are using points within the hotel. Yeah, interesting. So it yeah. can become a challenge. Just like you saw that happen with Delta in their lounges, yeah. right? Everyone was getting <laughs> points and they were filling those places up and they were losing a ton of money. And so they made those changes and everyone freaked out, <laughs> right? Because they were loyal to get into that Delta lounge to get their free $4 bottle of wine yeah. that comes in there that they pour <laughs> and whatever else. But yes, people will be loyal to certain brands if they felt like there's a value to it. Yeah. Um, the hotels love it and don't love it like the overall company does, yeah. but the individual hotels is a challenge. Yeah. And yes, you're loyal to, I think the top tier, you're loyal to a company wherever you can use that hotel. Yeah. But if you can't, you don't use them. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's such a, does that make sense? Uh, I think? No, it, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I, I've just been curious to you about how the, the more that I learn about this space. And again, I'm still so new and, and so green and whatnot, but I, but I, but I've been curious specifically about, because there are folks who listen to this pod who are who are interested in developing, you know, soft brands that uh, represent mm-hmm. collections of a particular type of short-term rental asset yeah. and, and 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 vacation rental asset, and and all of them are wrestling with this this question right now, right? Is like, oh, hey, I, w- I want to be the Marriott for you know this type of vacation rental stay, right? And 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 the loyalty component in particular is the one that is incredibly challenging um, beyond. A lot of other things are incredibly challenging of, of trying to mirror the yep. Marriott model, and I I, do, I haven't seen anything that has come close to truly truly being able to solve it solve this at, at any sort of like scale. Um, and and so I'm just, but but it has to be coming. It really has to be coming. Like I think it's Airbnb that would figure it out or VRBO. Like yeah. you're spending this many dollars with us, you're going to get this many points that we'll put towards your rental, right? Yeah. Like, like that's how I see that potentially happening down the road, even though people like to hate on Airbnb and yeah. the OTAs, like they're, they're in the best position they to help do it. Develop this. Yeah. Yeah. They have the people, they have the people coming through. They've got the eyes on it. They have loyal customers, just like Uber. Like yeah. I've never taken Lyft. Yeah. I've only done Uber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get a lot of points and credits I get to use because I use Uber all the time. So they understand. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, I want to hear a little bit about what you're building now, Steve. So, uh, t- mm-hmm. actually talk to us a little bit about you. So you, you, you don't work for a single hotel brand now you've got your own, you know, consultancy. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about that. And then you're also building a luxury micro resort. Speaking of these like micro resorts, yeah. um, and that's really focused on sustainability and agritourism in, in South Florida. So talk to us a little bit about like what Steve is up to now. Yeah. So I I do three things we'll say. So the big thing that got me out of the day-to-day operations was I was using LinkedIn all the time. So I encourage everyone out there, get on one of the social media channels, provide value to people. But I was sharing a lot on LinkedIn and all of a sudden I started getting a lot of people contacting me saying, Hey, can you help us? Mm, I looked at my wife's like, Hey, this is now more than like one or two. This is like a lot. (laughs) Like I think I can turn this into something and I want to spend more time with the kids and you and it turned into consulting. So mm. I gave my six month notice to my hotel, which is a big notice. Yeah. I said, Hey, just so you know, I'm heading out. And I started consulting with a lot of big brands. So I really focus on resorts and creating unique experiences and helping them drive revenue out of spaces they thought maybe they couldn't. Mm. Right. And then I have a team that helps them with menus and doing secret shops and all the fun things that hotels need to improve. Mm. So that got me out knowing that I wanted to do vacation rentals. Mm. And so I have my partner, his name is Victor Feria. We have a company called Tangy Management and we are all hotel trained on our team. So everyone that's on our team comes from hotels and we are finding our niche in these single family homes that are like three bedroom, two bath with a pool across South Florida. And that's grown now into West Florida. We have homes in Georgia now and South Carolina, and we're about to get our first in North Carolina, uh, which we're excited about. Um, but what we noticed was this, right? Just by doing the podcast was like, all right, it's getting challenging out there. There's a lot of vacation rentals. Yeah. They're all throwing in these unique things of decor and games, and they're all starting to look like crazy versions of each other. It's almost <laughs> like if you put in like into ChatGPT, like make me an awesome vacation house, make it more awesome, yeah. make it more awesome. It kept going. So what I noticed was like, I just want to try something different. Mm. And back in June, I was like, I want to do this micro resort. I want to do something outdoors. Like, 
my wife and kids don't love camping, but I want to do something that we could go do outdoors. Yeah. So the search began. I started looking for land and it was a challenge, mm. right? To find something that was close to something. Like my goal was it had to be within 40 minutes of a major city yeah. and within like 20 minutes of a supermarket. Yeah. Right. So that was the thing I wanted for my family. And so as I kept looking, it just turned into a family friend happened to own a farm right outside of Miami. So I won't wow. say which way because okay. I don't want to ruin it yet. Yeah. But it's 40 <laughs> minutes outside of Miami. Okay. And I can get to a supermarket in 20 minutes. Okay. And what I learned was that farmers are struggling right now. Mm. It's hard to be a farmer. Mm. And so I said, look, you have some space that's not used and it's 25 acres. And I said, I want to create some kind of glamping experience here. Would you be open to that? And you get a percentage of the nightly sales, yeah. right? So I'm going to help you as a farmer, you know, not, you're going to get a piece of the rent every night, um, that will help you. And she, they say, yeah, that would be absolutely, we're struggling so bad. Just a little bit would even be great. Like we're renting out an acre for 500 bucks a month and it's not helping Jeez. us. I'm like, for what? Yeah. <laughs> so like you're going to make much more money working with us. Wow. So the farmer loves it. I found a great ultra luxury tent provider mm. that we hope to work with. We already have our marketing team, PR team, our operations teams in place, ready to go. The challenge is now getting our county to approve it. Mm. And so I didn't realize the challenge that it would be. And luckily I have great attorneys that deal in this all the time. Yeah. But we're the first to take it this far. Wow. Right. We've already submitted the application. They then made us go to another hoop, which we jumped through. So now we're in our third hoop of jumping through. Jeez. And they're like, we would love to have agro-tourism, but we're not sure what this will do to the land, mm. right? If this can open up a floodgate and people are going to take over all the farmland. I said, we're here to help farmers. Yeah, We're here to connect people to this farmland so they can see how unique it is. And then third, we want to bring people down here so they can see it. So it's a win in all ways. And we're waiting for the answer. So we keep spending money on attorneys yeah. <laughs> and more fees to get it. Uh, but we feel very confident about it. And I just like this model because again, we have the great product. We got the great story yeah. and we'll have the great service. And I'm looking forward to getting this off the ground and making it happen. I, this is amazing. This is a, uh, I'm excited for you. I mean, fingers crossed you are able to get it through, but, but this, this whole model is, is brilliant. And, you know, I've talked about this on the pod before, but like, you know, I, I know a lot of folks, um, in, in, I, I, I was raised Catholic and I have a, a big network of, of, of strong, uh, religious, uh, friends and family and, um, and, and retreat centers, right. The number of like Catholic, like the Catholic church, I believe is, is one of, if not like the largest, like real estate owner, uh, in, in, in maybe the world, um, they, they, the, the Catholic church owns a ton of real estate. Um, and these retreat centers that everyone used to go to, right? Like they, they're 40, 50, 60, hundreds of acres and they're right outside of major cities and they're empty and they're really old and no one comes anymore and it's really set. And and what is the model of folks, right? People listening to this pod need to go and meet these retreat centers and do exactly what you did with the farmer, right? Like this, this, yeah. and, and they're in gorgeous places. Like they're in gorgeous, gorgeous places. Um, Anyways, so all that to say that, like, I love. All right, so we're starting, Zach. Let's yeah, let's get do it. I, I'm down. I'm ready. I, if you get this proved, uh, uh, you know, through uh, Steve, like, let's go. But, but honestly, it, it, it's it's like kind of like a no brainer, and I just feel like these worlds are like just not as connected as they need to be. Um, all that to say, love the idea. Think that there's a ton of value in it, um, and keep us posted on how it how it progresses. Yeah. Either way, whether we get approved here or not. I'm putting it out to all the world and the listeners here. We're going to do this somewhere because we have the model down. Yeah. It's now what I would have done a little bit differently is reverse engineer counties that were friendly to this mm. versus trying to do it here. But if I can win it here, that's the difference maker. We'll be the first doing it. Yeah. I was going to say you're having all that problem and all the, all these problems and you're in Florida of all places. Like you, you'd think, you'd think it'd be easier there. Yeah. I thought uh, <laughs> me too. I was like, when someone asked me back in June, like how quickly you think you're going to be going? So I'm going to be up and ready for the holidays. Yeah. Um, uh, still going. Oh gosh. Uh, well, Steve, this has been a incredible conversation. I, I really appreciate your time and, and the incredible work that you do. Uh, my, my last question for you as you, as we wrap here is just around, any hot takes you have on on the future of of travel and hospitality? You've you've shared some already, but as we as we as we wrap here, anything else you'd want to offer listeners about your perspective mm -hmm. on the industry? I'll give two. So first, 
is for operators to embrace technology. Don't be afraid of it. Mm. A lot of people are like, oh my God, it's going to replace us. It's going to do these things. We're short staffed already. And the people who are working are stressed out. Mm. So let's make their lives easier, make them more efficient, give them the best tools that they can use and make sure that you implement them Mm. because there's companies that are using these tools, whether it's AI or robots in the back of house or different technologies that help streamline operations. Take a look at those. Mm. Don't stay with these old grandfathered in products. Yeah. The other is, you know, don't be afraid to go check out places that maybe are off the radar. Mm. And so I'm doing that for myself. I want to go check out cities that are different, that aren't like the top 10 cities that everyone travels to. Like, go challenge yourself in 2024. Go find something unique. Go have that unique experience with your family, friends, or solo. Mm. You know, look for these fun places because now I think it's easier than ever to find something fun and to stay in a bunch of different places because you can stay in short-term rentals. You can stay in hotels. You can stay in these experiential places. So go challenge yourself in 2024. Go do something fun and find one of those places. I could not agree with you more. I love it, Steve. Thank you so much for your time. For for our listeners, I'll have links to Steve's LinkedIn in the show notes below. I'll have links to the Hospitality Mentor Podcast, which you should absolutely go check out if you don't already listen to it. I'll have a link to the Hospitality Mentor website where there's uh, the newsletter and and other resources as well. So if you want to learn more about Steve and all the great work that he is up to, just scroll on down to the show notes and pick your link of choice. Steve, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it, Zach. Keep doing big things. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Behind the Stays. I'd love to know what you thought of the episode. Feel free to shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com, or find me on X, formerly Twitter, at ZBoozy, that's Z-B-O-O-Z-E-E, or on LinkedIn at Zach Cruz. If this is your first time tuning in, it's a pleasure to have you, and we hope to have you back again soon. If you've been a listener for a while, though, I'd greatly appreciate if you could subscribe and then leave us a rating and review of the show wherever you are currently streaming this podcast. Last but certainly not least, Spontaneous and Behind the Stays are totally bootstrapped, and my ability to bring you these stories is only possible because of our incredible advertising partners. We're very much a startup show, and while our growth rate is amazing, thanks to all you who keep tuning in and sharing our show with your friends and family, we haven't quote unquote made it yet. So if you could do me a huge favor and go and check out the sponsor for today's episode in the show notes below, I would greatly appreciate it. Even if their offering doesn't make sense for you right now, sending them a quick message on social or an email, just saying that you're listening to the show and you appreciate their support would be incredibly amazing. All right, friends, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day and we will see you on the next episode of Behind the Stays.